The Democrats are George Foreman. Donald Trump is Muhammad Ali. Yep, that's how I see this impeachment thing playing out. It's rope-a-dope. The Democrats think they have President Trump on the ropes, and he's loving every minute of it. He's sucking them in, just like Ali sucked George Foreman in over there in Zaire before he knocked them out. I think releasing the transcript of the call tomorrow is going to be the knockout punch. We'll see. I could be wrong, but I just have a feeling that the guy that Dems think is so dumb is about to outsmart them again. Meanwhile, some 16-year-old kid named Greta from Sweden has liberals all over the world all excited because she's telling everybody that the world is about to end if we stupid adults don't do something about climate change. She's clueless, of course, and an actress, but they've already nominated her for a Nobel Prize. Maybe it's a Nobel Junior Prize. Why not? Al Gore got one for worthless, uh, a worthless documentary, and nobody knows yet why Barack Obama got one. Greta's probably a big hit on the college campuses. Spencer Brown is a spokesman for Young America's Foundation. He travels the country talking to college kids, mostly conservative ones, and he joins us now. Spencer, thanks for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. So uh, before we get to Greta... Um, how did the climate strike play in general on campuses around the country, as far as you could tell? Well, unfortunately, I think we saw something that we see all too often, which is students sort of just following in lockstep with what the left tells them to do without really understanding uh, either the issue fully that they claim to be protesting or even understanding the reality of what they're doing. And so we saw even at schools like the University of Alabama, students were participating in these protests. And when we interviewed some of them, they said that they thought climate change was a greater threat than even ISIS. And so you see people who just don't really have an understanding for what is going on because they've been so brainwashed or indoctrinated by leftists that they feel as though their very future is in peril uh, because that's what they've been told, but not because of anything they actually know. Yeah, actually, it doesn't surprise me that they would think it was uh, more of a problem than ISIS, because if if the world's going to end in 10 years, who cares about ISIS? Well, interestingly, that was actually the comment from one of the students when we asked them that. They said, well, if the Earth is dead, ISIS won't be a problem. And while that, I guess, is technically true, um, you know, obviously the threat posed by what they see as climate change is nowhere near the threat that ISIS posed to people, not just in the Middle East, but those they support around the globe. So, again, just sort of a lack of education uh, that's been substituted more with indoctrination in higher education. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Young America's Foundation? How many chapters, uh, where, where it came from, where it is now? Well, Young America's Foundation has this amazing history that goes all the way back to the 1960s when students, uh, young people at that time, came together realizing that they needed to start standing up for and defending the key values of things like freedom, a strong national defense, you know, traditional values. Um, and so we've been around through those last several decades, just continuing to grow and continuing to be sort of a force for conservative ideas and basically the visible presence of the conservative movement on these campuses. Uh, and so today we have more than 530 chapters at both colleges and high schools across the country, making sure that the left's ideas don't go unchallenged uh, and that students understand that it's okay to be conservative, it's even a normal thing to be conservative, um, and really inspiring these students and their peers with these ideas that are so important because obviously they're not getting it from their teachers. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. Um, uh, is it hard to set up new chapters around the country, uh, whether it's a high school or a college, because it's a conservative group? 
Did they throw roadblocks in front of you more than they might well, if you were not conservative? Well, yeah. So I work every single day at Young America's Foundation with these students who are working to boldly advance conservative ideas. Um, and it really just depends on the campus. You know, there are some schools where you would be surprised that, you know, supposedly leftist campuses don't really put up much of a fight to having a YAF chapter there. Uh, but we also see, more surprisingly probably, schools that most people would think have a good conservative sort of base, but who throw up all these kind of roadblocks in order to keep YAFers off their campus. And that just happened recently uh, at the University of Kentucky, where administrators there did basically everything in their power to delay and deny the YAF chapter official recognition. But that was a situation where we were able to come alongside those students who were trying to form a chapter, expose what the school was doing by actually filing a public records request to get the internal communications at the University of Kentucky to see what they were saying. And what we found is exactly what we suspected. And it was administrators there who were anti-conservative, who had this basically weird phobia of conservatives, just lying to the students about why they weren't being recognized. And so when we publicized that, uh, Governor Bevin there in Kentucky took action pretty quickly, and all of a sudden the chapter got recognized after a few phone calls. So thankfully, most of these situations have a positive outcome, and we get our students the same rights as their liberal peers. Uh, it just sometimes, though, is an uphill battle. That's uh, interesting. So what, what were the, uh, on what basis were the people at Kentucky trying to prevent uh, YAF from, from being formed there? What, uh, well, what was their excuse? Uh, for the sake of your listeners, I won't directly quote it because uh, some of their comments were actually very profane. Wow. Uh, but they were so opposed to conservative ideas, basically these core tenets of what it is to be a conservative in America, that they were mocking the students back and forth. They were reacting, uh, again, with profanity to some of the lines from their mission statement uh, and their chapter's constitution. And they basically were talking every time the students there would come into this office to check on the status of their application. They would just joke back and forth about the excuses they were making as to why the chapter hadn't been wow. recognized. Uh, and of course, when we highlighted that, um, it, the administrators uh, allegedly scolded these individuals, uh, but as far as we know, they are still employed there. But obviously, we hope they learned an important lesson that as a as a public university employee, your communications are subject to the same open records laws as any other state employee. So you were seeing this in emails? Is that where you were finding it? Yeah, it was a combination of these emails, and then they also had sort of an inner office instant messaging uh, application that they were using that was also subject and responsive to our public records request. Wow, and they didn't, they, I'm guessing they weren't expecting those to ever be seen outside of their office. Definitely not, and that's actually sort of one of the main projects that we do work on right now and one of our newer projects here at the Foundation. Um, it's a project we call Censorship Exposed, where we file these public records requests at state colleges and universities all over the country uh, whenever there are problems like this, because what we find is, again, this sort of institutional anti-conservative bias that exists among these administrators and professors and faculty, um, and it's remarkable to see how, you know, the people who should be the adults in the room in yeah. these situations act and respond. You know, we had uh, another case out in California at California State University, Los Angeles, where professors there were saying that they almost felt the need to cancel class because they were so shaken yeah. and emotionally and physically triggered by the YAF chapter being active on that campus. Yeah. Um, and it's just absurd because that's, that's not being an adult. That's not being somebody who can function in the real world. Uh, it's just ridiculous how sort of uh, this, again, conservative phobia uh, affects these administrators. What's absurd is that it's a uh, supposed to be a, an institution of higher learning and these people are supposed to be teaching young people, and they, they're, they're visibly shaken by the possibility that somebody who disagrees with them might, might show up. That's pretty scary. It is. I mean, if you think about most people going to college, uh, you know, make that decision based on the assumption that they're going to come out 
two or four years or six years later, uh, better able to function and be a, you know, a contributing member of society. Um, but you kind of start to question whether or not that contract that most students enter into, you know, forking over all of these tens of thousands of dollars over those years, supposedly hoping to be a better marketable person at the other end, you know, is that really the case anymore? And I think students eventually are going to have to wake up and realize that maybe these four-year liberal arts degrees are not actually as valuable as they have been for previous generations. We're talking to Spencer Brown. He's a spokesman for Young America's Foundation. Um, and how will the or how is the uh, the Greta story being received on college campuses? How she well, how, how, how is she viewed by people who are not that much older than she is? Well, right, and I think that's that's one of the interesting things to look at here is again why why is this person who the left has chosen to basically be their their prophet there at the United Nations? Um, and I think it's really twofold. You know, as a young person, she has uh, the ability for her words to resonate more with other young people. You know, who maybe see themselves in her or something like that. But it also, um, in the tactics of the left, it makes it much much harder for conservatives to attack what she's saying because right, it just doesn't look good to be attacking what uh, a young girl is saying. Um, but I think one of her quotes that she said uh, in her uh, remarks at the United Nations it just sort of highlights sort of a, a moment of self-awareness where she said, I shouldn't be here. I should be <laughs> back in school across the ocean. And I completely agree. She shouldn't be there. She should be back in school. Um, you know, she should be getting a real education in, you know, what actual threats there are in the world and what the actual science says about this and not, you know, being used. Um, I think it's incredibly, you know, manipulative of the people who maybe her handlers or her parents or whomever it was who sent her there, you know, for them to use her basically just as sort of a, a way to block criticism of their own ideas. It's just absurd that they would use a young girl to do that. Yeah, she should be back in Sweden planning her next sleepover. That's what she should be doing. Uh, well, exactly, and she, she accused people, you know, uh, these evil capitalists of, you know, ruining her childhood or robbing her of her childhood. Mm -hmm. But clearly the only people who have robbed her of a childhood are the people who have propped her up and set her up right. to be, again, sort of this, this foil to what they see as evil capitalist, you know, Americans. Um, it's just, it's very sad. Now, um, I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, you travel to campuses a lot, uh, and you spend a lot of time around colleges and college uh, students. I, I don't expect you to have an exact number on this, but what would you say the breakdown is on a college campus of conservative, I guess I'd make it three choices, conservative, liberal, and clueless, like just don't care at all? Well, yeah, I think I think the clueless category is actually one that's seen an interesting change lately. And Young America's Foundation actually this fall uh, released some new polling of uh, a little over 2,000 high school and college students nationwide, a representative sample. Um, and what we found is that it actually splits into about thirds in those groups, where there is you know about a third that identifies conservative, a third that identifies liberal, and a third that are kind of in the middle. Um, but what I think was interesting was to see sort of the attitudes that those people in those groups have towards classroom learning. Um, and what we saw is that a lot more people are self-censoring in the classroom. Uh, and then when asked why they self-censored, um, they said that it was because they didn't want to offend their peers and they didn't want to be judged for their opinions. Mm -hmm. And so when you take sort of this picture in total of what we found through this poll, I think we see young people who are afraid right now to identify as a full-blown conservative because they realize when you come out as a conservative, you're instantly opening yourself up to just these ridiculous attacks and the intolerance of the left. But you also have young people who don't want to identify as a leftist because if you say you're a leftist, you have to completely buy into this ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. woke, politically correct mm -hmm. culture. And so few people are willing to actually go completely along with that. 
And so I think we have a lot of people who are in this middle section now because they're kind of on the fence. And that's where our opportunity is, obviously, to reach those young people, show them that conservatism is an okay and normal thing to abide by, um, and, you know, reach them before they get more or less pulled off the fence by the crazy leftists. Right. Now, how confident are you that the, the liberal college kids you do come in contact with, including the uh, radicalized ones, how, how confident are you that they will outgrow the, uh, the stupidity when they get out into the real world? That's actually a really interesting question because I think um, it's based on an assumption that the conservative movement has had for a long time, and that has been uh, more or less that these college students and these bubbles on college campuses, eventually, you know, they're going to have to get a job in the so-called real world, and they're in for this rude awakening. Uh, but I think in the last probably three to five years specifically, what we've seen is that that assumption should actually be flipped. And it's not, in fact, the young people going into the real world that have the rude awakening. It's the real world and the people already in it that are being rudely awakened by just sort of the complete takeover of this radical leftist nonsense, where if you look at... Uh, you know, we used to say, okay, you need a safe space because a conservative is coming to your campus. What are you going to do when you're in a boardroom and you disagree with someone? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out now these Fortune 500 companies are setting up safe spaces and relaxation yeah. rooms so yeah. that way their younger employees will work for them feeling like it's a safe space for them. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things where they're not growing out of it. Instead, they're just taking it with them <laughs> and putting that in the media, in pop culture. And it, it's honestly very terrifying because, again, there's going to be a breaking point there where you once you know enough Fortune 500 companies look like UC Berkeley, that's yeah. going to be very problematic. Well, I'm out of time, Spencer, but thanks a lot for letting me uh, making believe there's no hope for humanity with that, <laughs> with that last answer. Because if that's true, I'm glad that I'm old and I don't have to deal with it. Because if if they're welcoming that kind of stupidity in 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 companies that are supposed to be you know be a big part of American life, we are all in trouble. So you're doing good work out there. I hope you're uh, I hope you succeed. Well, thank you so much. It's very important, but it's uh, it's a fun battle to be in. All right. Well, thank you, Spencer Brown. I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. That's Spencer Brown from Young America's Foundation. We'll be right back. All of us deserve a chance to start over again. And Light of Life is a place where people can do that. Joel Gilliam. Executive Director at Light of Life Rescue Mission on Pittsburgh's north side. Have you ever been in town and you see somebody begging, you see somebody with a sign? One of the questions I get a lot is, like, how do you help that person? What do we do to help someone that is down and out and what's the best thing to do? And what I often will say is that the best thing to do is to show love and show compassion. It's not always the best thing to give them what they're asking for, but to point them in a direction of an organization or of places where they can go and get help. Light of Life is one of those places where those people can get help to find an on-ramp to get back into society. It's not just about a handout. It's about a hand up and the ability to give someone a chance to start over again. Help someone else find a hand up by donating today. Visit lightoflife.org slash give. lightoflife.org slash give. Pittsburgh homeowners rate Pella number one as a leading window brand. Susan wrote, we are thrilled with our new Pella windows and door. The installation process was superior to any other work we've had done in the past. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Wow. Thank you, Susan. Low pressure consultation plus expert installation. At Pella, it's just what we do. Right now, save $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? 
Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, a warrior is more than a team name. Here, at their fully accredited K-12 grade Christian school, just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, a warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. A warrior is challenged to learn as they develop a strong work ethic, achieve academic excellence, and cultivate a lifelong love of learning. And a warrior is trained to lead through Christian character and integrity so they can impact the world for Christ by their example wherever God calls them. So, are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School, a fully accredited K-12 grade Christian school just 15 minutes north of Cranberry where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. That's O-U-R-P-C-S dot org. You started your business with nothing but a great big idea. They told you it couldn't be done, but that just made you work harder to prove them wrong. Now look at you, ready to take on the world. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South gets where you're coming from when they said they wanted to create great big graphics for great big ideas like yours in less time than anyone else. They were told it couldn't be done. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South just smiled and said, oh yeah, watch us. When you need a large format printing partner who can provide high quality visual graphics in stunning detail, from trade show displays to outdoor signs, 3M brand vehicle wrap for your fleet, window graphics, banners, and decals. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South can handle most jobs in two days or less and can roll with last-minute change-ups without breaking a sweat. Who says it can't be done? For a free quote, visit speedpropghsouth.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. We have just followed these beautiful young girls from a local watering hole, filthy, dirty river water. And they work all day back and forth from this watering hole several times a day. And now we're coming upon their home. The home is up six feet by seven feet shack. And it is a shack in every sense of the word. Her name is Shavlin Oralis. She's 12 years old. She was fetching water to drink. Does she like drinking that water? I treat the water to drink it. She treats it with Aquatab, but they don't find the Aquatab tablet all the time. Sometimes they drink it like that, or they try to find a little chlorine to put in it. What does it taste like when she drinks the water? It tastes like mud. Sometimes I can even feel the germs inside of it. Sometimes it gives me stomach ache. Food for the poor. Paul Jacobs joins us now. Well, Paul, thanks for being here. It is great to be with you, And John. Uh, you're doing great work. And, I, you know, before we go any further, um, 
the website is the answer pgh slash hope and the landline is 855-358-4673 that's 358 hope for people who want to donate uh to uh food for the poor paul jacobs is with food for the poor and this is money for people in haiti and what i i don't know a lot about this program i just from what you guys have told me and just what i've you know researched before we do this interview but the thing that strikes me is that if you make a donation, mm-hmm. uh, if anybody who makes a donation, they know exactly where this money is going to end up and what, what it's going to be for. So what happens if I donate $320, for example? Well, first of all, it's life-changing. A family of four will receive food for a year and water for life with that gift of $320. In fact, a listener can say, hey, I'd like to break this up over the next 12 months. My wife and I, we're on the Dave Ramsey plan. Every dollar has yeah, a name yeah, to yeah. it, right? right? So you have a budget at home. You can seriously think about budgeting $27 a month over the next 12 months, not forever. Mm-hmm. And that will effectively provide a Haitian family, a family of four, food for a year and water for life through the Ministry of Food for the Poor, ministering to the poorest of the poor in the grips of a humanitarian crisis that, quite frankly, most in Haiti have said we have not seen it this bad since the earthquake of 2010. Wow. And people who, who decide to make that donation, they know that uh, that $320 is going for the people to buy food and not going to be lost somewhere in the pipeline. Absolutely. For more than 10 years now, Food for the Poor has had an effective and efficient ratio of more than 95% of all donations that come in going directly back to the poor and the programs that serve the poor. And I, I, I think that people who are listening right here in western Pennsylvania, um, they it's probably hard for, I'm sure it's hard for anybody who lives around here to even grasp what poor means in Haiti. Hmm. compared to what poor means to people in Pittsburgh or Western PA? You know, the biggest difference is, and everyone has had their struggle. Uh, yeah. I've grown up and I've had my own story of struggle with mm-hmm. a sing- growing up in a single-parent household. Yeah. But you just imagine now, here in Western PA, you have a family that goes through tremendous travail, maybe an eviction, maybe a job loss, um, maybe just money is dried up. But there are safety nets. Mm-hmm. There's the local church. There are you know, municipalities that have these programs available for those that are just gone, you know, that life has gone south for them. In Haiti, there are no safety nets. There is no government intervention. There is no welfare system. There is nothing. There's the local church, and through that being resourced by Food for the Poor, and uh, something we've done for more than 37 years. And you've been there? Oh, gosh. In my nine years of... dumb question. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, my nine years of Food for the Poor, I've been several times, and each time there is a sense of despair because what you see strikes you to the heart. But at the same time, I leave with tremendous hope. The hope that these families do not quit. These moms, when they tr- tell us that even though we get our food from a garbage dump or what other people have thrown away or the water that I give my children to drink is from a slow-moving creek, that when they translate it into English from Haitian Creole, it translates the gutter. They literally get water from the gutter that they are still not going to quit. And my hope is that you listening right now will respond to these families who work just as hard as you, who depend on someone like you to make a difference. And once again, that's uh, just $80 will give uh, food for a year and water for life for one child. 160 is food for a year and water for life for two kids and 320 or $27 per month. That's food for a year and water for life for one 
family. The phone number is um, 1-855-358-HOPE. That's 1-855-358-4673. You can uh, do it online at theanswerpgh.hope. Theanswerpgh.hope. Paul, thanks and good luck. Thank you. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. In a historic move, Speaker Nancy Pelosi is poised to announce a formal impeachment inquiry of President Trump. Correspondent Wally Hines is at the Capitol. While talk of possible impeachment has bubbled under the surface for weeks, it absolutely exploded this morning following allegations that President Trump held up aid to Ukraine while pressuring the Ukrainian president to investigate Joe Biden. That was enough for a number of moderate Democrats who'd been resisting calls for impeachment to pressure Pelosi to move ahead. The next step will be for the House to decide whether to recommend articles of impeachment to the Senate. That takes a simple majority vote. If so, the Senate then conducts a trial and would be responsible for convicting. That has never happened in U.S. history. President Trump announced that he would release an unredacted transcript of the conversation between him and the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. This is SRN News. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. Dennis Prager believes the truth may be the answer. Justin Trudeau has these pictures come out. If he had courage, he would say, I am sorry I did it, but it was not something I was aware of as wrong at the time, nor was it meant with malice. What if he did say that? What would happen? What a refreshing thing. Truth from a leftist. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. If you're worried about market volatility or the possibility of losing money in the next market crash, the time to act is now. Effective financial management involves identifying opportunities. And with a 10-year bull market run, markets around all-time highs, and a highly contested election cycle right around the corner, we have an opportunity now to protect what's important. Don't risk losing a significant portion of your life savings in the next market downturn. Call Hunt & Associates today, 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-4868. Hey, Pittsburgh. This is Judge Elkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. This month, you could qualify for 18% off the MSRP on select models of the all-new redesigned 2019 Silverado pickup. That's over $9,300 in savings on select Silverado double cab all-stars. The team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence. Check them out at Calusi.com. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. 
This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Community Bank. City Mission. Number one Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angelo's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full-service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Lots of delays out there. Inbound Parkway West backing up from... 79 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Jam up outbound Parkway East Boulevard. The Allies up to Edgewood Swissdale where an accident has been moved off to the shoulder. Inbound side heavy Britain Road overpass to the tunnel. Outbound Liberty Bridge slows down. Outbound 28. Volume delays there. Chestnut Street to the Highland Park Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Clear and cool for tonight, going down to a low of 51 in the city, but well down into the 40s in most of the outlying areas. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, a nice afternoon, high 79. Partly cloudy and milder tomorrow night with lows near 60. Then for Thursday, we'll have clouds and a shower giving way to some clearing later in the day, high 71 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, if you're a man who's been in the workplace for a long time, you've seen a lot of changes. Um, Not all of them are good, and a lot of the changes have come, I guess, if you go back a long time, uh, because more women are working with men instead of for them, and uh, lots of women have men working for them. And then in the last few years, you mix in the... Me Too movement and the workplace can get pretty complicated, especially if you're a man. Frank Minitor has written a book for men. It's called The Ultimate Man Survival Guide to the Workplace, and Frank joins us now. Frank, thanks for joining us, and uh, congratulations on the book. Hey, thanks for having me here. So uh, why do men need a survival guide to the workplace these days? <laughs> Unfortunately, in the position we're in this post-Kavanaugh world, we really do. We're, we're guilty before, maybe we're proven innocent later. You know, and they did work on this book. I interviewed a lot of CEOs and uh, heads of the human resources department and stuff. And I found it was even a lot worse than I thought it was. Uh, the horror stories, and some of them are real. I mean, we have to get rid of these Me Too uh, examples out there. These people are, really are monsters. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people in the cutthroat environments that workplaces can be today are using some of this stuff for their own advantage to take down other people or at least to, to pass rumors and, and harm other people. So there's just a lot to it. So um, you say you ran into a lot of horror stories. What what kind of horror stories specifically uh, concerning men and and them suffering at the because of this whole Me Too movement and just the way things have changed? Yeah, as it turns out, this Mike Pence rule, Vice President's rule, yeah. not to uh, be alone with with a woman. Uh, it's a very rational rule. Unfortunately, uh, there there are lots of examples of 
very disputed claims. It's, you know, it's hard to say because there's no evidence either way where they were alone, you know, uh, in an office or what have you, in a mentoring position possibly, uh, where there's a claim made or even just somebody felt uncomfortable but someone else, uh, some joke or whatever it was, and suddenly you have an upper management person's their career is being completely destroyed with no due process. Uh, so, you know, you have to look at that side of it, too. It could be a guy, it could be a monster, and, it, and we might have to take that person. They shouldn't be at that company. But there is another side to it. Some women, unfortunately, and some men in some cases, are using this to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it on, um, and I've talked about it here, uh, it's happened a lot on college campuses where uh, they just have a kangaroo court and a kid who's accused of sexual harassment or, or worse, sexual assault, actually, uh, they're definitely guilty until uh, proven innocent. Is that the same thing in the workplace? Yeah, and especially in college campuses, they're often not even allowed to present a case in, in defense. Right. Uh, so they're, they're just, yeah, they're just railroaded. Um, but very often, human resources departments, they do this to employees because, and, and this is especially true if, if you're claiming something against someone higher up because the company, the human resources department, first reaction is to protect the company. So they're going to get rid of, in most cases, that means getting rid of the man because that's the less chance of losing later a lawsuit. You have a chapter called Be Expert with the Gentleman's Tools. Uh, what are the gentleman's tools, at least uh, as they uh, would be defined in 2019, anyway? Well, it's changed a lot, right? I mean, our smartphone is, is the number one tool. But too many people, they don't know how to use it. They sit there even on a date and they're playing on their phone, texting somebody. I mean, come on, there's a real way to use it. You know, be that man in the moment. Get that Uber when people have been drinking. You know, have the mapping app so you can get people uh, safely to one place to another place. You know, take, take charge and be that guy. There are, are things you can actually do. Um, has the pendulum swung to the point that women actually have the advantage in the workplace now? Uh, that's been, unfortunately, that's my experience. I, I, I think I say unfortunately because I think it should be completely equal. I mean, that should be our goal. But unfortunately, too many um, in this in this world we're in now, they they think diminishing men empowers women. Or actually, if you diminish men to a certain point, they're no longer a help in these battles to help make these workplaces more fair. So they're actually not there to help in these fights for women. So how did this happen? I mean, is this a, gr- a gradual thing? Did it did it like happen overnight with the Me Too movement? You know, do we can we blame Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein, whatever his name is? Yeah, I know. I actually wouldn't. He's symbolic of what's gone on, but I wouldn't blame him. This has been feminism being taken over and just dumped into identity politics, is where the Democratic Party's gone, it, to such an extent where it's, it's become very unfair. Uh, to the point where we have transgender uh, athletes, you know, beating women on, on college campuses and, and in high schools, uh, very unfairly. Yet they're treated like they're some kind of special. Uh, privileged person. Where, I'm sorry, that's, a, that's an actually biologically a male beating those women in those sports. Yeah, and, and uh, do you, did you find it in the workplace, because it's definitely true uh, in the media, and it's true, um, I think, on college campuses, that uh, if you disagree with any of the gender stuff, uh, and the way men are treated, there's something wrong with you. I mean, if you, if you think there's something wrong with women, uh, with men showing up in the in the ladies restroom um you are something wrong with you yeah that, that happens a lot and you could be accused of microaggressions for just having a, <laughs> yeah. a strong personality right you know, and then you're being punished and how do you as a man or a woman how do you succeed if you can't push your strength if you can't go towards a generally strong heroic gentleman you can't be that guy if you have to weaken yourself you're going to lose in those office battles for advancement the author of the book, uh, Frank Minotaur, is his name, and in the book is The Ultimate Man's Survival Guide to the Workplace. Just coming out tomorrow, right, or is it today? It's out today. 
No, good. Okay, you can buy it today. So, um, are young guys uh, coming into the workplace now intimidated, uh, and you know because they've been um, beaten down by what they've been taught about men in school and and uh, and starting in high school actually or before that actually beginning in school. Yeah, I, I speak to a lot of groups at college and so on, and what I find is, is they can be very narcissistic, and, and their values have been eroded. And they don't really understand where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to stand up to. When you start to give them some kind of really positive way forward, they can't believe it. Wait a second, I can actually be a guy and not actually have to go and apologize for being a guy? They can't believe it. You know, um, I think it's pretty, it's always been obvious to me that men are more competitive in general than, and, and just in, uh, just naturally more competitive than women are. And, Depending on what kind of workplace you're in, competition can be a good thing because it creates excellence and because people are striving to be uh, the best or, to, or to striving for certain positions and it makes everybody uh, perform better. But what's happened to competition in the workplace because of this change in the dynamic? Now, even on Wall Street, I was surprised interviewing people. That the women tended to be much stronger than the men because the men had to be so cautious of everything they did and how they were perceived. They had to think about, how am I going to be perceived in all these situations? Which a mature person does, but it's gone to such an extent now that they're actually starting to lose a strong identity. They have to be very weak in those workplaces because they're afraid of, of being accused of, well, transgressions of some kind. But shouldn't, if, why do men have to become... Why have men? I'm not asking you. You didn't make the rules, but I'm just wondering, um, you know, why men have to become less competitive instead of women doing what men have always done and and become more competitive. Exactly right. I don't understand why feminism won't turn that around and say, well, wait a second, why can't we be the strong feminine? They don't have to be men. Be, be a strong feminine. You can give them that kind of role model. Unfortunately. Feminism is too often about, let's just litmus test for left-wing politics. Now, how has the definition of what a gentleman uh, changed? What, what oh, is wow, a gentleman? That's a deep question. Yeah, there's a whole philosophy to being a gentleman, and it, what's been so unfortunate is that's been parodied and eroded. Uh, we see that all of our sitcoms today, there's never a standing, a stand-up, strong guy with those values beneath him doing what is right. It's, it's always this, this mockery of a man, unfortunately, on TV today. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's a philosophy what that is, and it's a whole depth to it uh, more than you went to here, but it's just been eroded and taken away. What do you mean by men on TV have been, uh, I guess, ridiculed and, and uh, diminished? Well, from Archie Bunker forward, mm -hmm. um, we've been sexist parodies of what men really are. Um, and a few exceptions, uh, or even exceptional for a moment, are, are surprising and actually do well for a little while until they're also destroyed. Uh, Hollywood has been one of the main culprits of just undermining what being a man really should be. So what do you mean by that? By, by the characters are, are weak and bumbling idiots? It's not just being weak. It's actually having strong values and standing up for something that's good and right, not just for this selfish, narcissistic idea of what you are, but actually doing the selfless thing and walking. That's what a man does. He walks in and takes care of, you know, man or woman, they walk in if there's something bad going on and they take care of the situation. They're the hero of the moment, but they're humble about it. They'll walk away and not make it about themselves. That, that's a very deep characteristic that a person can embody. But unfortunately, that's just not something we see in today's Hollywood or in sitcoms. Well, how's it going to get any better when, I mean, I've, I've had cases here, I've had people on the show talking about it, where um, you have colleges 
um, telling they have their they have their um, their guides for for everybody to make sure that nobody is insulted or is you know hit with a microaggression, where they tell the people who work at the colleges when they're speaking to a group not to say things like "ladies and gentlemen," because uh, <laughs> because know, that right. means that somebody might not be either one of those two, and uh, you know I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a giraffe or something might be in the room. I don't know what it is, but you're you're not allowed to say, ladies and gentlemen, and they and they say it with a straight face. No, you might be triggered by that kind of word, right? It'd give you a hard time. Uh, it's funny. It, it, there's, a, there's a kind of a change happening now. The safe spaces thing has become such a joke. Some on the left are actually starting to ask for brave spaces, which is this weird concoction where you're allowed to go and say something you really mean. So they, they're even starting to get it. So I, I feel like the pendulum is starting to swing. Well, I think I would have liked those. They had, I didn't know they had brave spaces. No. <laughs> I don't like That's that. That's a new, new emerging topic. Are you allowed to be punched in the mouth in there? <laughs> I don't think they have boxing gloves on in there, no. I, I think brave to them is just actually noting who they are. Yeah. Well, uh, the dynamic changed. Uh, it's been uh, 30 years almost. Uh, the Clarence Thomas hearings, I, I know before before Anita Hill came along, um, I, I had never heard of sexual harassment. I didn't know what it was. Um, but the dynamic really changed with that, didn't it? Is that is that? It? Can you look at that as when it really began to change? Yeah, that's when it blew up. and and I don't want to diminish it. It's, it's such an important topic. Men and women actually have only been working together in the workplace really since about a little bit post-World War II. Uh, it's, it's a pretty new phenomenon, really, when you look at it just across time. Uh, just, what, four or five generations like this, uh, where we've been learning to work together. We're still working out the rules. Unfortunately, someone in the media and in pop culture aren't helping us work out the rules. Instead, they're, they're concentrating on demonizing men. Uh, and how are they doing that, demonizing men? I, uh, I mean, I, 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 I think I know, but how do you see it? Well, they call us toxic, just being mm. a strong, strong right. gentleman. Stoicism is self-control, self-control in a crisis especially. That's being stoic. That's the man you can trust when things are all going crazy. He's not losing his head. That's what stoicism is. But it's mocked today. It's seen as something that you're pulling your pain or whatever is inside until you blow up or something happens to you horribly. It's actually not true. It's a misreading of what stoicism is. And did the Me Too movement cause even more of a ripple than Anita Hill did? Uh, it's, it's lasting a lot longer. That that blew up and it went over after. I mean, it, it's still known, but yeah, Me Too is still here. The problem that Me Too is having right now is it's been very politicized by the left. And if it becomes a political movement instead of one across, because this is something that affected people from both parties, but it becomes a political weapon for one party, then it's going to die. It's going to be destroyed, which is what's happening now. now one thing that um, that people don't talk about much is because you couldn't you you wouldn't poss- you couldn't get away with it if you admitted it. But if you're a man uh, and you own a business, a large or small, and you have a, you know, you're you're looking to hire people, and would would you, would you be blamed for being a little bit hesitant to hire a woman simply because you're afraid of the dynamic that it would create, and it's a lot easier to just not have that to worry about? Yeah, that's an unfortunate. I'm sure that's happening. That's an unfortunate side. Uh, that and, and mentoring women, which is such an important thing uh, that just people are so afraid to do today. And I, I, I can't blame. I'm a manager myself, and you know, I, I keep I keep an open door policy on as women in, in my or I have a, several people together, uh, men and women on my staff together. You know, there's ways you mitigate it, but it is hard. And and, and how does a man uh, protect himself from a uh, a predatory woman who? wants to destroy him, 
And um, because I'm sure it exists, I'm not saying I don't. I don't know to what degree, but th- there's always the possibility that uh, if a woman does find herself in a room alone with a guy, he can, she could come out of the room and accuse him of anything she wanted, and he's guilty until proven innocent. So, how, I mean, how do you avoid that, and how do you deal with it? That's been going on so long, it's actually in the Old Testament, it's in Proverbs, the warning about that, the woman who will turn on you. Um, yeah, you have to have your eyes open, you have to have allies, you have to, be, you have to constantly understand your staff and dynamics that you're with, um, and just be cognizant and mature and, and, and just distant and smart enough about the whole process. And if you do have a, pro- a problem person on your staff, make sure you keep records, especially real records like emails or voicemails, whatever you can get on that person, because if it does come to that kind of a fight, those records make all the difference. You better have an open door. You're right. Uh, last thing here, uh, just uh, what, are, what are men allowed to do now? I mean, is it okay to open doors or let a woman leave the elevator first? Uh, or is that now considered sexist or, uh, or maybe harassment? And, and what about compliments? Are they okay anymore? Uh, you better not compliment looks. That's yeah. where you get in trouble. Yeah. Um, I've only got yelled at once for opening a door, and that was in Manhattan, and, and she was a bit strident about it. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's still out, I think. So that's still out there. So, so, you're, you're, so you say you, you have gotten away with opening a door. Uh, for the most part. I, I've worked in New York City and lots of other places for a long time, and only one time did I have a, a lady uh, get angry with me uh, for doing that. I haven't noticed women opening any doors for me. Should I be... No. Hurt, hurt by that, or I feel diminished. I don't know. That's, if it's going to be equal, how come I never get doors open for me? <laughs> I might think like you're taking my man card. Actually, <laughs> I don't mind being the gentleman. Yeah, I hear you. I don't want him to open the door for me. Hey, Frank, I, I appreciate you being on. Uh, congratulations on the book, and good luck with it. Thank you. Okay, that's Frank Miniter, and the book is uh, called "The Ultimate Man Survival Guide to the Workplace." And we will be right back. Some window replacement companies offer only one window model that might not meet your taste or budget. At Pella, we determine which window or door style will give you the features you want in three types of materials. Pella has blinds between the glass, innovative screening options, and lots more. Don't settle for a one-window model choice that really is no choice at all. Right now, save $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Call 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. The nexus between school attendance and academic performance is well established. The better a student's attendance, the better that student's academic results. And, of course, the better the respective school's attendance and academic record. But an Allegheny Institute analysis shows Pittsburgh Public Schools has lost ground on these metrics between the 2012-13 and 2017-18 school years. Learn more about this topic and others at AlleghenyInstitute.org, where conventional thinking is challenged every day. The Supreme Court confirmation process has been on the point of breakdown for 30 years, and it finally collapsed with the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. I'm Molly Hemming. And I'm Carrie Severino. Our new book, Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh confirmation in the future of the Supreme Court, tells the story of the process that Kavanaugh himself called a national disgrace and a circus. The Supreme Court is the arbiter of America's most divisive disputes. The incentive to destroy Supreme Court nominees has become nearly irresistible. Our book, Justice on Trial, explores how that happened to Brett Kavanaugh and what we must do to prevent it from happening again. With more than 100 interviews, including the president, 
dozens of senators and other officials, we uncovered shocking details, untold until now. Will the next confirmation fight be even uglier than Kavanaugh's? Our new book, Justice on Trial, has the answer. Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh confirmation and the future of the Supreme Court is the explosive new bestseller by Molly Hemingway and Carrie Severino, published by Regnery. Get your copy now at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and wherever books are sold. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Dennis Prager here inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour. A tour through the land of Israel in December 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Walk the ancient temple steps, sail on the Sea of Galilee, and so many more unforgettable moments. Turn home inspired, renewed, and empowered. If you've ever dreamed of seeing Israel, this is your opportunity with expert guides and important lectures at key sites. We'll be together in the comfort and safety of luxurious accommodations the whole time. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. Get more details about the trip or sign up now to join Mike Gallagher and Dennis Prager on the Stand with Israel tour by going to theanswerpgh.com slash Israel. That's the answer, pgh.com slash Israel. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast Tax. We started our company 10 years ago in an effort to help our fellow Christians experiencing tax issues resolve their matters by taking a simple three-step approach. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys that specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We're the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We're also a small firm who will treat you like family, not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all of the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I said at the beginning of the show that I thought that uh, Donald Trump was pulling a rope-a-dope here, in case you missed it. Uh, and you, I think you know what rope-a-dope is. That's what Muhammad Ali did to George Foreman. And uh, he sucked him in, and George Foreman punched himself out. And then Muhammad Ali famously said, I remember reading this in Sports Illustrated, uh, the story that whoever was covering the fight wrote uh, when Muhammad Ali had been looking like he was going to just be beaten to a pulp because he was letting George Foreman punch himself out. He uh, right before he knocked him out, he kind of pushed himself, pushed uh, uh, Foreman away and said, now it's my turn, George. And then he knocked him out. And um, I have to have a feeling that's what's going to happen with this. But guess who came out in favor of impeachment? This is going to shock you. Hillary Clinton. She said, I'm in favor of moving forward, uh, moving toward impeachment. I did not. <laughs> this is this is really funny. I did not come to that decision easily or quickly. No, no, Hillary. I know you really sat and thought about it for a long time and agonized over it. It's just, you, oh, it was so hard for you to do that. I did not come to that decision easily or quickly, but this is an emergency as I see it. The latest behavior around Ukraine, trying to enlist the president of Ukraine in a plot to undermine former Vice President Biden or lose the military aid he needs to defend against Trump's friend Vladimir Putin. If that's not impeachable offense, I don't know what is. And 
She she says, the president of the United States is betraying our country on a daily basis. The man who is in the Oval Office right now is a clear and present danger to the future of the United States. Thanks for not getting hysterical, Hillary. But I know just, you know, how long do you think it took her to come out in favor of impeachment? Really? She was sitting by wherever she, wherever she made this statement. Somebody was on the phone with her waiting for the official word to come down that they were moving toward it so she could jump in there and say how reluctant she was to say it. But I have to say that this man should be impeached. Just go home, Hillary, or go for a walk in the woods. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.